So, um, we have looked at hunger and health. What is hope? Hope is, H is hunger and health. O is outreach, initiative to build hope and bridge opportunities uh, where we are. And P is prayer, and E is education. And we are going to preach on prayer today. Right? So, according to the scripture, when we read here, um, uh, how do we live like Christ? So we can live with Christ. And Christ is giving and teaching us from His Word who will enter the kingdom of God. Who will enter the kingdom of God. I was working out the why, uh, and uh, it has been kind of warm and hot here in Silicon Valley. But one of that day was kind of hot. It was like maybe close to 100. And so after my workout, I'm waiting out there and sitting uh, on the chair under the canopy. And uh, this lady, very tall, big lady, with her son, was walking by me. And she was saying, Oh, oh, this is so hot. This is so hot. I'm telling you, I cannot go to hell. I cannot go to hell. I cannot handle heat. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I'm just sitting there. I'm listening to this. And like, well, I was smiling to myself. And isn't that the truth? Right? We're talking about the heat wave or a little bit of warm here, which is not like uh, the warm in Midwest where I was. All right? This is a good place to be. But... Uh, uh, we're talking about the kingdom of God and uh, uh, that conversation reminded me because she was teaching to her son about the heat and the fire that why she doesn't want to go to hell in a, just a light conversation. But the word of God, everything that we do points to our eternal destination. How we live here points to our eternal destination. And how do we live like Christ to live with Christ? And when we look at the scripture and the heart of Christ, then we see how he lived and how he wants us to live. He identified with the hungry. Jesus identified with the thirsty. Jesus identified with the stranger. Jesus identified with the naked. He identified with the sick. He identified with those in prison. And I'm reminding again that that's normally not what we do. We identify with someone high up there. We identify who is who. He's the judge. He's the president. He's the CEO. He's the commissioner. He, we identify with them. Such and such is my uncle. Such and such is my brother. He's my cousin. We identify with those up there. But the Lord Jesus Christ identified with the hungry, with the naked, with the strangers, with those who are sick. And if we have to identify with Christ, because without identifying with Christ, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. It means you believe and accept that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you identify with Christ, then we identify with those whom He identified. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, then we identify with those whom He identified. So to identify with the hungry, to identify with the thirsty, to identify with the stranger, to identify with the naked and the sick and the prisoners, what do we do? We go out of our comfort zone. It's an outreach. Outreach with initiatives to build hope and bridge opportunities. You cannot sit 
at your home on your comfortable chair to identify with the poor and the sick and those in prison. We got to get out of our comfort zone and go out and reach out to them with the hope and the love of Christ. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? We say we identify with Christ. But are we identifying with those whom he identified? So what is hope? Hope Silicon Valley is hunger and health. It's outreach. It's prayer. It's education. We will look at education next week. Today we look at prayer because prayer matters. Prayer matters. City-wide hope initiatives. Your prayer matters. Prayer matters. Prayer matters for students and families to have a fruitful year. If you cannot pray for anything else and you can't remember anything else, I would like our church to pray for the parents and the students to have a fruitful year. Pray for Santa Clara High School. Pray for Central Park Elementary. Pray for Pomeroy. Pray for Bauer. Pray for Scott Lane. Pray for schools that are nearby you. Pray that they will have a productive, fruitful year. Pray for the teachers. Pray for the teachers and the volunteers. They need our prayers. They are at the forefront of shaping the lives of children. So they can become a good citizen of this country. We don't pray enough for the teachers. Do you know that a person can be a scientist, can be a counselor, can be a painter, can be an artist, can be a mathematician, can be an English teacher, just in one day, in one classroom. Do you know what kind of a person that is? That is a teacher. A teacher is a friend, a parent, a scientist, a mathematician, an educator, a counselor. He, he or she can be one like that, morphed into such personalities in a given situation to anybody. And we got to pray for our teachers. Let's give hand to our teachers in this church. Come on. Let's give hand to our teachers. We pray for them. We pray for them. They, they will shape the heart of uh, the kids to be a good person. Isn't that what we are about? Santa Clara First Baptist Church. That we are teaching our kids to grow up to be a good person. More than being successful and more than making a lot of money, we are shaping them to be a, 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 a shape with the heart of God. And I want to talk about this, but what do we do? When, what, what do we pray for when we're not uh, busy praying for ourselves? If you look at the, some of the recent studies on prayer, uh, uh, Pew Research say about 55% of Americans pray every day. 55% of the population. Lifeway Resource uh, Center gave about 64%. So there's give and take, let's say, between 60 somewhere of American pray every day. But what do they pray for, right? When, when they're not busy praying for themselves, what do they pray for? Because praying for the friends and families at the top, it's about 80% of those 55 to 60% that pray, they pray for their family and friends. Okay? And for our benefit, 
So what do we do when we are not praying for other people? Some people pray that someone will fail. 4% of them pray that somebody will fail. Right? So not all prayers are like uh, good, but uh, uh, and then uh, somebody, uh, about 5% of them pray that somebody to get fired. Right? Yeah, I feel you. Sorry that I'm here, you know. <laughs> You've been praying, all right? But I'm here, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm sorry, right? Uh, and then, uh, and 5% pray that someone's relationship will end. Right? I, I like that girl, Lord. You know, give it to me. Let that relationship end, right? Okay. And then some, uh, some 7% pray not getting caught at speeding. Yeah, right? Okay, I know you guys haven't done this, but I have done it. <laughs> okay, I have done this, okay? I know you're good people. And you know what? About 21% played, prayed to win a lottery. <laughs> what are you praying for? What do you pray for when you're not busy praying for yourself? So we look at the life of Jesus as a model for our prayer. A prayer life of Jesus as our model. We want to look at three things today. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed for the city. Jesus prayed for the city. How do we know that? Jesus wept for Jerusalem. He literally wept for Jerusalem. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Because they were not welcoming. The city was not recognizing the deliverer, the savior, the redeemer. How do we know that Jesus wept for Jerusalem? We know when we go back to Psalms. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Our Lord Jesus Christ would have prayed for Jerusalem many times. Do you pray for our city? Do you pray for Santa Clara? Do you pray for San Jose? Do you pray for Mountain View, Menlo Park? Do you pray for San Francisco? Do you pray for Oakland? The city that you are in, in Fremont, Hayward, you're traveling from everywhere. Do you pray for your city? Do you know that only 3.3% of those, about 60% of Americans that pray, do you know only 3.3% pray for strangers? 3.3% pray for strangers. And Christ is asking us to identify to the strangers. Remember, be kind to the strangers because you were strangers once. Who will stand in the gap? Who is going to stand in the gap? In Jeremiah 29 verse 7, the Word of God says that When 
The word of God tells to pray for the city of the captors. You say, pray for the city where you are captive. Because in the peace of city, you will have peace. Jeremiah 29 verse 7. Our God asked his people who are captive in a foreign land to pray for the land of the captors, for peace in that land, so that when there is peace in that land, they will have peace themselves. My friend, Santa Clara, if God asked his people to pray for the land of the enemies, how much more should we pray for the land that we love and the city that we live? Who is going to stand in the gap for this city? Who is standing in the gap for this city? Who is praying for students? The suicide of students in Silicon Valley had made news in this country and all over the world. It hits home when it's very near to you. When four people, four students in a row commit suicide in a high school. Not just one year, but more than two years, three years. And why? Why is this happening? Are we putting value? I know I'm talking as an Asian father here right now, right? I mean, I want our kids to get like A++, whatever. If they're like four pluses, I want to get it. And we define our kids by A+, you know. And uh, there is a very hard and sad joke that uh, A- minus is an Asian F, you know? Right? So we measure our kids... And that's what I do sometimes too to my kids. I, you know, I'm sorry. You know, why did you get an A minus? Why didn't you get an A? Right? You're never satisfied. So we define the kids with grades. So these kids, when they were interviewed about this suicide and the concern of suicide in Silicon Valley among high school, is because they talk about SAT scores and grades all the time. Grades and scores grades and SAD scores. They stand themselves in front of a train so the train could hit them and that's how they killed themselves, many of them. What are we doing about it, Santa Clara First Baptist Church? As I have mentioned it before, that this sermon hour is an honesty hour. It's not a lecture. How are we reaching out to the city? As a youth mentor, as a youth leader, as parents, as church leaders, board, staff, What are we doing for the youth that they value themselves as they are apart from the grades and the score? And how are we praying for them? What's the hashtag you're giving to them? There's a hashtag, you'll do great things. Are we giving those kind of words? To our students. Who will stand in the gap? Who will stand in the gap? Yes. 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 We need you. We need you. We need you. We need you to stand in the gap. Starting here. Look at our youths here. They need us. 
They need us to stand in the gap for them and pray for their parents. We should not lose any of these young kids that are sitting here for unrealistic, ungodly, unspiritual expectations. And then Jesus taught and prayed for provisions. Give us this day our daily bread. He's concerned for our needs. But he said, I know your needs. God knows our needs. Do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He knows already. He's asking us to trust and to pray. Give us our daily bread. Because God is good. Because Jesus knows that God is good. So what is there among you? If his sons ask for a bread, we'll give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, you give him a serpent. And he says, if you then, being evil, knows how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to those who ask him? And he blessed the provisions. You know, he took five loaves and the fish. And he looked up to heaven and gave thanks to the Lord and blessed and gave it to these disciples to feed the multitudes. Our Lord Jesus knows that we need these things. One, 5,000 in Matthew. The other one in Mark, there was another 4,000 more. But more than that, more than that, his compassion and love for those who hunger physically and spiritually for hunger and thirst for righteousness is exhibited in the way he gave his body. Say, take it. This is my body. Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. When I was when my wife and we were pastoring a church in Midwest, in Fort Wayne, all-American city. First Baptist Church. There was the first church in the city of any denomination. Do you know how that happened? Chief Little Turtle, the Indian chief, he asked for a past Baptist minister to come to Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne at that time was known as a riffraff city. And I've researched a little bit and I watched some Western movies. I love Western movies. Right? And I've seen some, one of those guys, outlaw or somebody running from the law, mention about I came from Fort Wayne. I saw one movie like that too. Right? Okay? But Chief Little Turtle, the chief there in Fort Wayne, he called help because his young people were dying from alcoholism. Many of his young kids were dying of alcoholism. And you know, he looked for help where? He specifically asked for a Baptist minister to come and help and save his young people. The Baptist minister came. From the south, he established school first and later helped establish a college. 
And when the church were formed in that, among the charter members were the daughters of the Indian chief, freed slave, African-American freed slave, and their family. That's how the church was started. When you pray for a city, and when you're ready to help a city, it just takes one person to save a city. Who is going to respond if a tech company, a tech family in Silicon Valley, those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness and saying, please come and help me. I do not want to lose my young daughter, young son. Is Santa Clara First Baptist ready for that? Are we ready for that? It takes one person to change the city. Today, Fort Wayne is known as the city of churches. It is known as the city of churches. There are churches everywhere. We continue to pray for the city, that the city will revive, rejuvenate, continue to save many young people. Jesus taught us how to pray. And this is how he prayed. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. What is the kingdom come, my friends? Tell me, what is the kingdom come? It means, the kingdom come means when there is healing, when sick are healed, when prayers are answered, when demons are driven out, then the kingdom of the Lord has come upon you. That is the kingdom of God. That when we stand as God's people, standing in the gap for the city, and we see marriage healed, kids that are depressed and anxiety being delivered, and support the parents to be great parents, great father and mother, husband and wife, and we see the progress, then the kingdom of the Lord has come. Then the kingdom of the Lord is coming. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When there is forgiveness, reconciliation is in the will of God done on earth. When husband and wife are reconciled, is in the will of God done on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours the kingdom and the power and the glory and forever and ever. Amen. So why pray? Why pray? Why pray? Because prayer matters. So if you ask me, what did he do, pastor? You know, son, the first day, I prayed for people because they have lost jobs. And they came forward and I prayed and prayed and prayed that God will open door and give them jobs. I prayed for that. And on the second day, I prayed for hope. I prayed for Hope Silicon Valley. And then I, I work on the flyers for Hope Silicon Valley. I connected with somebody that was helping me to create a flyers so we can give out to the school. And I prayed for hope. Again, second day. Third day, what did I do? You know, I came with the staff. We had a whole stay staff meeting. And we prayed for the church. We look at our goals. We look at the coming year goals and we prayed for it. And we prayed a little bit more for one another. We prayed for each other. We prayed for the board. We prayed for the leaders. We prayed for the church. And we prayed that God will lead us and direct us. And I also asked forgiveness to the staff 
for being impatient sometimes and not giving them enough directions. Because why? Because when I was praying in June, you know that I was going through a spiritual low in June. Things were difficult for me and as I was praying, because I was not praying enough. But when the Lord let me do in the place of prayer, then He told me that uh, you didn't give enough direction. You didn't have direction. And I was saying to God, God, what do you mean? You didn't give, uh, I didn't have direction. You know, I have vision. I have direction. You were wrong. Absolutely wrong. Right? And, uh, but that stayed on. After a couple of days, I started thinking about it. Three, four days, five days coming on. And I realized, yeah, God was right. What a surprise. I mean, He, he was right. And I asked the staff to uh, forgive me. And being impatient to them and not giving them enough direction on the vision that God has given. And one of the direction that I didn't give enough was on the 52 weeks of Sunday. We can't just have Sunday happen every Sunday. There has to be direction for each Sunday. I know we come together and plan for it, but there has to be better direction. That's what the Lord told me. I was telling that on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we, I prayed, we prayed for a person whose wife has cancer, whose mother has cancer, and whose father has cancer. And then I prayed for Hope Silicon Valley. And then I worked on the flyers. And we printed some flyers at the office with Miss Trudy. And on Thursday, I had a prayer again. With a group of people at the church, with the saints. And we prayed for hope. We prayed for one another. And I shared about our church goals. And then we prayed again a little bit more. What did I do on Friday? I prayed for hope. On Saturday, I prayed for hope. And every Sunday, Monday, from first day till yesterday evening, our family prayed together. And we prayed for the church. Why do we pray? Because prayer matters. In the ba- back to basic studies, three people shared that they did something they didn't want to do. They shared something they didn't want to do. One person went and visited a person that may not be the first choice, but God prompted you go visit and follow walking. Can I pray for the person? No, I want you to go. And the person went and heard from the person, thank you for visiting me. You visited me at the right time. The other person shared about not being a bystander to get involved in the ministry of the church because on Sunday he came and said, I'm not going to get involved in anything. At the end of the day, he was sitting with some new people and he was blessed. And I asked asked the person to pray at the end. This was the person that told me that, Pastor, if you ask me to pray, I will not come back to the class again. Right? But he prayed. He prayed a compassionate, moving prayer, and tears came out, and it moved all of us. It moved all of us in that room. What was he praying for? He was praying for a person that has a wife that has a cancer, a mother that has a cancer, a father that has a cancer, another member that is taking care of the father who is dying of cancer. And we were all moved in there. This amazing transformational power of prayer is within us. It's with us. 
is with us. And we talked about the difficulty of prayer. And the person mentioned to me, Pastor, you talked about prayer last week, that prayer doesn't cost anything, but it's hard to pray. I am in a place where I cannot pray. And he prayed, and we were almost in tears. Prayer doesn't cost a thing. But the power to transform people by prayer, it's an amazing story, I'm telling you. How many of us are praying? Yes. How many of us are praying? Who did you pray for this week? I said that your calendar, your bank account, tells who you are. There's one thing I want to add. You are what you pray for. You are what you pray for. Do you know that you can't pray for your enemy? It's very hard for people. You pray for people that doesn't like you, that hurt you, that you don't pray for them. That's why we don't pray for strangers. We pray for ourselves. 80% of the time, we pray for our needs. 3.3 for strangers. Five people, they will be fired. 5%, you know. We pray for other things. I want us to pray. Pray beyond ourselves. That God will move. Church, this week, these two weeks, leading up to hope, getting into worship in the park, you're going to experience resistance from the enemy. I'm letting you know that you are in a spiritual warfare. Don't be frightened. I'm not telling this to get frightened. But you are in a warfare. Put on your armor of God. As it's written in Ephesians chapter 6. Full armor and stand. Stand. And the warfare is going to come like this. It will start with little misunderstanding within your family. Just like me and my wife. We fought for two days this week. Right? So for two days we, we fought and fought and fought. But we pray every night. Okay, we may fight one day, and in the night we pray for each other. And we fought again the next day, but we pray. Right? And at the end of it, we pray. Our kids know, you know. Oh, pray that my husband will be kind to me. Right? And I say, pray that my wife will be gentle to me. Right? It wasn't like that, but I'm just giving an example. It wasn't, you can ask my kids. But we pray for one another. See, this misunderstanding, fighting is going to happen. Fight well. Fight healthily. You have to know how to fight well. We are human beings. When to give and take. When to come together and pray. And reconcile. My wife and we did that. But we pray every evening. Pray with, so I bless my wife. In the evening. I am able to bless her. And she is able to bless me. She said. We, she prayed that. As a leader of the church and the house, uh, I pray that God, you will give wisdom to my husband, that he will serve you well. That's what she prays for. How are we praying for each other? Is it hard for you to pray for one another because he or she said something to you that you didn't like? Those things are going to happen. Right? Ushers, can we get ready? And the worship team, can we get ready? And as they come forward uh, and get ready, Max, can you help? 
Do you have any questions on hope? Or any questions from what I shared this morning from the congregation? Anybody? Yes. Check. Morning, Pastor. I don't mean to put you on the spot here, uh, but I wondered if, you know, like uh, love is the First Corinthians 13. It's a kind of defining chapter. Hebrews is a defining chapter of faith. Do you have a um, good verse or chapter that would kind of define hope? Hope? Um, that is Hebrews, right? Yeah. So, faith is the substance and evidence of hope that we haven't seen yet. That's the chapter. Hebrews Hebrews 11 verse 1, isn't it? Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith is the substance of hope. It's the evidence of things we haven't seen. So we're going by faith for hope. Because we don't know what's going to turn out like on August 6th. But by faith, we are moving with the Spirit of the Lord. That we'll be able to express love and share hope in Silicon Valley. And we thank God that Stanford uh, Tin Van Health and Stanford Children Hospital Weight Program, Indiana Health, Silicon Valley are going to partner with us and we have our own Santa Clara First Baptist Church health team. So, Moving along and free haircuts, book pack and supplies and free, free lunch. Any, any more questions? Can we stand on our feet? Oh, and, uh, and I will pray. Yes, let's stand on our feet and I will pray. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. I want you standing here this morning to signify that you're standing in the gap for the city. And as you stand here signifying that you're standing in the gap, I want you to meditate on two things. One is uh, next Sunday at 6 p.m. We're going to come to the church. And we're going to walk our campus and pray in every spot and area of our campus and prepare this place that this place is a hope for whoever steps in here will experience the hope of Christ so we're going to do that next Sunday at 6pm the other thing is at the prayer booth we're going to ask for parents and students to give their names and we're going to commit to pray for them for the school year whoever gives their name and send them postcard or letter time to time letting them know we are praying for them and if that's something that God may be leading and asking you to do I would like you to write your name in the connection cards and when the offering plates is passed 
you can uh, drop it in there. And use the connection cards for other volunteering. Food, health, haircuts, education booth. Just put your name. And that will signify that you're standing in the gap for the city. So thank you, Lord, for people that are standing here this morning. For the city to spread hope and love. As we sing the song, let let our fear go by the side of the road. And we hear the word of God speak. Give us courage and boldness. We want to spread hope and love in Jesus' name.